Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast. I'm Brian McDonald coming to you from Dude Solutions. Today we have a great topic for you. We're going to talk about energy management. And coincidentally, October is Energy Awareness Month. Joining me today are Dan Aram, who is our senior energy specialist here at Dude Solutions, as well as a familiar voice, DK, Dave Cornegie, the mayor, our subject matter expert extraordinaire, as we like to call him. Gentlemen, welcome. How are you doing? Thanks, Brian. So with October being Energy Awareness Month, what are some of the recent changes that some of our listeners should be aware of with energy management? I'll actually start that off, Brian. I think probably the, the most recent change that I've seen in the industry that's having kind of a widespread impact uh, would be Energy Star uh, changing their their scoring parameters for, for benchmarking and, and energy efficiency in, in buildings. And what that has created is uh, overnight, you know, facilities that were once Energy Star scored uh, because of the new scoring metrics uh, could have fallen out of those categories. So that's caused uh, a lot of folks in the industry to, to really, you know, tighten their belts and, and get more granular with their energy programs to, to get those scores uh, brought back up. So, uh, you know, what's some of the challenges with the, the change in scores that you've seen or, or that kind of, you know, companies have to be aware in regards to their energy management of their facilities? Yeah, the, the biggest change is just that it, it happened overnight. And so an organization performing the same energy conservation measures and then automatically overnight, those measures, you know, capturing the low-hanging fruit or auditing the bills, those have less of an impact in relation to their Energy Star score. So essentially, you know, folks are being asked to do more for the same score they had, you know, the previous day or month or year. And I think that's something that's going to have to be communicated for not just the organization, but people outside of the organization. Energy Star is one of the things that I've seen over time people rely on. They like to publish their score. They, they might use it for PR purposes. If there are changes, they might need to make people aware of what those changes are. Uh, and I see Energy Star as part of a, a larger set of, of trends and changes I've seen over time is there's now it's part of a larger trend of business intelligence. Energy Star is essentially a, a key performance indicator, a KPI. And I've seen where people are now getting more and more interested in the data. They're, they want to dive down into well, what is driving the Energy Star score, what is driving our cost, what's driving our, our, our KPIs, basically our KPIs. A lot of these trends, they, they want to know, okay, what building is bringing us down? What area is bringing us up? We want to be able to, to understand what's out there and then communicate that to people. And I've really seen a, a larger trend of trying to get information out, trying to communicate with people to see that we need to get more involvement. We, we need to get more people aware of what's happening. So that's really a great tie into October is we need to make people aware about what's happening. Uh, and the people that are being affected by energy have to be aware of what's happening. And communication is a, a major aspect. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you all mentioned communication because I think it's, it's always one of the key components to any plan. But specifically with energy management, what are some of the kind of communication strategies that you all have seen uh, people are doing out there in the market today? I'll take the first one on that and then uh, let Dan jump in on it. I think for, for many people, it's they try to just publish information. That's one thing that is a, a great I guess foundation, uh, but many people, they may try to translate some of the benefits of energy to say, 
this would be the equivalent of something. They, they try to put it in language that people can understand. If we are turning off these lights in a major area, like an arena, a football stadium, a, a section of, of an athletic park, you know, that might translate to this could put this many, like if it's a, let's say, for example, education, you know, this might actually translate over to this is how many jerseys that we can get. Uh, some people are also doing incentive programs around that where they might put money back into a certain project, a certain initiative, a certain service. I've seen where people will have communications that are going out periodically, some type of a cadence of reports and dashboards, but they may also include things such as their auto signatures, uh, kind of a fact versus fiction. There's a lot of people that make assumptions about what's happening when we turn on the lights. It, they might still think about when they were kids and their their parents said, you know, it takes this much energy to turn it on. Now with technology and things like lights, it's pretty much instantaneous. It's not taking a huge power surge. Uh, or what happens when you pour grease down a drain? You think it goes into the drain hot, but once it hits underneath in the, the cool ground, that grease will start to to basically geel and, and plug the pipes. So trying to make people aware of little things in the fact versus fiction. I've also seen where people are leveraging other folks as boots on the ground. That's something we've done in the past where we essentially have someone who's helping check on things, uh, making sure that uh, things are turned off or that things are in uh, you know, a rest mode, uh, making people aware about what's happening. I've seen that in, in all across from companies to various types of organizations, even in going back to education, sometimes people get the kids involved, even down to elementary schools, where if you want to see something powerful, put a badge on an eight-year-old and have them go around and look at the lights are on, That there's, there's nothing more powerful than that. Uh, but I've also seen where people are setting up reports and dashboards on things like kiosks, where there's immediate access, either online or actually in a physical kiosk, to be able to pull up what's the information uh, in this area, might even tie it into solar arrays and, and what type of, of pull is, is, is coming from those solar uh, panels uh, once people are getting into things like alternate technology and new technology. So, Dan, anything that you've seen as far as communication strategies? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with with all of those uh, with all those points, DK. Um, and I would just add the reason why communicating is important is not just to to educate. Uh, I think the latest data that I that I saw showed you know 56% of savings opportunities comes from behavior change. So of course, educating the workforce, educating our peers um, is going to cut into that that um, you know opportunity. Uh, the, the other reason I think it's important to communicate is, is kind of post-education. So, you know, uh, an organization can do a great job of, of letting folks know of opportunities. Uh, the fact versus fiction uh, that, that you mentioned is a great idea. But then also communicating the results uh, after that time period to kind of let folks see, you know, kind of the, the psychological factor of, you know, what you're doing is working. And now I want to show you that it's working. It helps, you know, promote that continual effort from from peers. And I think the other thing that's interesting about this um, and listening to y'all talk is, you know, energy management is so proactive. You know, you can't, you can't be reactive in energy management, right? You can be reactive in looking at what, where are areas that you want to improve upon because you see a huge cost associated with it. But I think, yeah, the, the communication and making sure that you, you stick to it and put it in their terms so that people can consume it easily and, and they become proactive and less reactive as well. And so, you know, much like what we see in, in say, marketing, where we create an army of fans that are going to go out and tell everybody how great we are instead of us having to do it all the time. Um, right. And, 
Yeah, that's a good point, uh, Brian. You know, being proactive, it, it can sound like a lot, uh, sound like it's another hat that I've got to put on, but it can be something as simple as creating full, what I like to call a simple strategic energy plan. And it really just follows the data. You know, it's an easy, you know, step one, two, three process that, that number one, assess where we're at today. And based on that data, step two, you know, prioritize and plan based on where we're at today. And then step three, um, maintain and report on the success of that plan. It can be something as simple as that one, two, three, that, that kind of creates this cyclical proactive approach. Um, even things like, you know, we have an inventory uh, on our motors and we have a replacement strategy that says, if this motor fails, we will replace it with an energy efficient motor. Uh, the reason I use that example is a lot of organizations don't have those replacement strategies, those simple plans in place. Uh, and so, uh, you know, a maintenance technician could respond to a failed motor and just replace it with the same motor that's in place, not knowing that there's, you know, this energy strategy. So I think you're exactly right uh, being proactive. Stay up to date on free resources specific to your industry by visiting Dude Solutions Resource Library at dudesolutions.com resources. You'll find inspiring infographics, blog posts, guides, and all of our podcast episodes to enrich your daily work. Keep up with everything new in the world of operations at dudesolutions.com resources. So we all know that getting started with any kind of plan is a challenge within an organization. We're, we're dealing with people in different departments and bureaucracy and such. So DK, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what are some obstacles that you see when it comes to energy management, kind of getting a plan in place? Well, that's actually a good continuation about what Dan was talking about is people have to know essentially where they need to start and where they need to go. And, and sometimes it, it's having the, the equipment information uh, eventually, you've also got to, to get buy-in, you've got to, to get funding, and people are looking at how they get started. Uh, you know, sometimes it's really easy to, to go directly into a scope of work. You know, you've got to have, you know, basically, if you're going to sell it to the executives, you've got to have an executive summary, but eventually, if there is interest, then you've got to define that scope of work, but you've also got to have a return on investment. Uh, you, you've got to understand, and like Dan was saying, you've got to have data to help with the understanding about what it is that essentially that we're going to do, because if we don't have information, it's hard to assess the energy accounts and assess our processes and, and how we're managing it and prioritize those efforts to, to start developing our action plans and, and how we're going to accomplish them and reduce our, our distractions that are out there. You know, we, we need to be able to, to measure and verify uh, what's out there. And then once we've got our analysis down, we can start developing our, our how we're going to adapt it and how we're going to drive awareness and make sure we've got the, the accuracy, the immediacy uh, set for that to, to start going into our conservation plans and reduce and avoid our costs and especially our consumption. That's really one of the biggest things of, that we're also trying to avoid, too, because that directly gets involved in cost. Uh, Dan, I'm sure you've seen a lot of other obstacles and hurdles as well. Yeah, and you're right, DK. Um, what I've seen as the biggest hurdle would just be fear, uh, fear of so many moving parts. Uh, you know, I, uh, a lot of folks who are energy managers also, you know, share the title of facility manager. So, you know, you've got a role where you're concerned with maintaining uh, the, the facility or maintaining the space, and you've also got a role concerned with, 
doing that in a way that promotes conservation. And so I think how we began the conversation, you know, why folks uh, are concerned with, you know, this new Energy Star change is being able to benchmark facilities is a really great and easy first step uh, in terms of, of being able to take the snapshot of where we are today. You know, there, there are two main ways that I see in the industry that are good, easy places to start. Number one would be, you know, understanding and tracking your utility bills and understanding, am I paying the right amount of money uh, on my bills or, and, and being able to ask the question, where are my energy dollars going? And being able to benchmark really helps answer that question. Where are my energy dollars going? Um, and, and so just kind of tying back to the original statement of uh, Energy Star and why we should be aware of that is because it's a great it's a great starter for organizations to benchmark and see where they need to prioritize their time and resources on facilities that are outside of the norm in their portfolios. The Energy Star information is very timely. Um, what are some other things that are very critical, you know, as, as companies are looking and organizations are looking at managing their energy within their facilities? Yeah, I think that to answer that question, Brian, um, I think one, and, and it's kind of an intangible, but it's very important, is just to understand and, and consider that you don't have to, if you're an energy manager or a facility manager in your organization, uh, you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to manage energy in a silo. I think it's important uh, for folks to leverage the resources, the people resources they've got at their organization, because there's a lot of people uh, in the organization, your peers, that really care about conservation. Um, you know, whether it be a financial person that just cares about the dollars and cents and reducing their cost, or whether it be, uh, you know, the other bucket, a person that really cares about reducing consumption and reducing carbon emissions. Um, I think a great place to start is is to kind of identify those people and and perhaps even create a green team, a council of folks that kind of help drive this energy plan. Uh, but just knowing that, that you don't have to do this alone is, is a really key takeaway, you know, moving forward with this, these energy plans. Yeah, and people is definitely one of the things I, I look at as well. I, I go back to often the, the ITIL model that you have to have a healthy balance between people, processes, and tools or technology. Uh, people part is one of the things that could either be overbalanced or underbalanced. You know, we might be dealing with old technologies. We might need to upgrade. You know, are we going to go from pneumatic to digital controls? Are we getting into the Internet of Things with uh, a lot of what we're doing around energy management? We also have to think of how people affect that. I mean, certainly, you know, people leaving things on and, and phantom uh, loads and all these other things that people may not have a re realization about. Having, like you were saying, having an energy team, a green team uh, is one of the things that's worked well. Also being able to incentivize those folks that you might get things started, but you always have to ask, how are we gonna maintain it? Uh, how are we going to make sure that this team stays fresh, stays engaged, stays involved? You know, a lot of times people they do it out of the goodness of their hearts. Sometimes people need a little gamification or they need a little, little, some type of incentive. Uh, you know, we're going to do something for the department. It's going to go back into some type of a, a fund. You know, something that people can feel as though their efforts are being tangible. Certainly the data will help with that to show that, yes, we did make a, an impact in electricity or make an impact in recycling. You know, we, we do want to see that to prove it. Uh, but are, is there something we can get in the long run out of this? Some people, they just love recognition. 
They love seeing that we are in the top three of something. Uh, we are one of the most recognized areas out there. And that's where Energy Star is great, is they recognize these industry uh, you know, leaders in energy conservation. There's a lot of great public relation. Uh, there's a gold mine in that. Uh, but again, it comes back down to the people. Uh, if we're gonna be rolling out something like a change in our building automation scheduling, how does that affect the working environment, the learning environment, the, the, the health and care environment, the membership environment? How does that affect it? Because people, yes, they might be bringing in space heaters, but you also need to ha have a good, comfortable working environment for them. So when you're setting up things like your schedules, you need to be able to work with that. And also having the, the proper uh, technologies in place, the proper tools in place. And sometimes we actually use that uh, you know, in another way, we, we knew that a lot of people were complaining about the, the temperature of a room. And so one of the past projects I worked on, we actually put in fake thermostats. We called them the Fisher-Price thermostats. And just the fact that it was controlled through a building automation system, but somebody was going up and clicking the buttons, we actually saw almost a 33 to 35% reduction in hot and cold calls because people just felt like they needed to be able to control uh, their environment. So. I like a healthy balance of, of the people and the processes and, and the tools involved uh, and energy management to me is no different than that. I love that example yeah. with the fake thermostats. I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just to, to piggyback off that DK, I, I think you're right when you talk about uh, incentivizing to give another example, kind of, kind of a real world scenario, you know, we all follow the news and we see, you know, here, even in the last year, a lot uh, in the education realm, a lot of uh, teachers protesting, uh, you know, their, their, their pay, um, you know, teachers protesting the fact that their budgets are continuously shrinking, but classroom sizes are growing. Uh, and I think it's been helpful for a lot of our clients to be able to show um, and to communicate that energy really is, energy management really can be treated as a revenue source. Um, to be able to, to, to create what we call kind of a green revolving fund to say that, hey, hey teachers, the, the reason it's important for you to join us in this energy management process is because the money that we save, we can put into a fund. Now, whether you want to use that fund to, you know, continually improve the, the conservation program and, and buy better equipment, or you wanted to, to use some of those dollars to go towards, um, you know, a budget for teachers to buy supplies or, or whatever it may be, um, you know, the fact is energy makes up uh, 16% of all controllable costs in an organization. So what that means is you, you, you have a, a, a budget and a fund here that you can control and turn into kind of a revenue source. So I think you're exactly right, being able to communicate that this impacts the entire organization uh, to allow us to do more with, with the same resources. The other portion that you mentioned in terms of just transparency you know, that's, that's a big burden that facility and energy managers deal with is just um, consoling and, and dealing with these hot, cold calls and making sure people know. The reality is energy conservation doesn't have to battle your comfort. You know, if it's this conservation versus comfort mentality, well, we want to stay comfortable. Uh, and if we're transparent with our clients about, or, you know, our clients can be transparent with their stakeholders about, hey, you know, here's transparency into our, our automation schedules. Here's when the facility comes on. Here's when it goes off. Here's the set point. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, this green monster in the background, you know, trying to, to burn you out of a facility. We, we've really got some processes in place that are standard. 
uh, right. has been and a huge help as well. Perfect example of where we've seen programs from Energy Star about when you're taking a building at rest. Uh, people need to understand when the building is essentially uh, coming awake and, and when it's going to rest, or I guess technically it's occupied versus unoccupied. Uh, but letting people know that this is essentially what the set point is going to be during that season. Uh, having a lot of those uh, standard operating procedures out there, I think is where if people have an understanding of it, they can at least see, okay, yes, it is going to be 72 degrees during this time of the year. Uh, you know, that is two point difference in that. Uh, again, it comes back down to where we were starting in the beginning. It's about awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think another uh, great point, Dan, when you were mentioning the uh, what's it, things that are important to everyone, you know, the, the controller, it might be how much energy savings, other people, it might be the conservation effort. Um, but that ties back into the communication as well, because you can kind of highlight those different points that are of most interest to them. And, and then it revolves back into the pride and, and the motivation that they want to do to, to be a part of the energy. Well, everybody energy. in this whole process, everybody has to wear, wear a sales, marketing, and support hat. Yeah. And you have to be able to communicate to the people in the way that they understand how to be communicated. So, you know, a phrase I've heard over the years, to know what Mary Jane buys, look <laughs> through Mary Jane's eyes. Well, I want to thank Dan and DK for joining me today to talk about energy management. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to get started on your energy management plan or maybe need a little help, we're going to have some links in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Brian McDonald from Dude Solutions. Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and you can even email us at dspodcast at dudesolutions.com.